Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. and 26 paid to see it. They did not go home disappointed. Ronald Torbert. The calls, the non-calls late in the game. The difference maker. We are down the two. And you talk about insufferable. Although I've almost made it through one day without a major Kelsey story. This is going to be just brutal over the next two weeks uh, with these two clowns, who, by the way, are arguably Hall of Famers. Obviously, Travis Kelsey's going to go to the Hall of Fame. I, you know, judging centers, there's only a few that are in. Um, but it's amazing. They just make themselves so incredibly unlikable, yet they're so talented. And I'm sure there'll be a big story about them next week. We'll wait till that. Right now, so much more to do as we kick off the end of January. Hey, you realize Wednesday? February used to give us, of course, that signing day, that first Wednesday of February, all the magnitude of uh, what uh, the signing period was. Of course, most of the uh, the glamour and the glitter has been removed from that because so many of these incoming freshmen are already enrolled at the college and or university of their choice. But also some of the greatest sayings in the history of sports take, uh, take place in the month of February, including pitchers and catchers reporting. What about gentlemen? Start your engines. Are any ladies in this year's Daytona 500? I don't want to get canceled for... For leaving, you know, I, I was there when Danica Patrick did it and, and others, and, you know, it was ladies and gentlemen, uh, start your engines. Of course, that'll bring us the Super Bowl. It'll also get us deeper into conference basketball, including in some categories, um, conference championship games, or, you, you know, the um, once we get into the, the tournament, if you will, conference tournament, not the NCAA. Uh, tournament and uh, for those in the NBA and NHL it's a great month as well as a matter of fact the all-star game coming up in both sports including on ice this weekend uh, we are going to have a uh, skills competition it is dropping all of the all-star games basically at the same time of course in the NFL we no longer have one but anyway I'm a huge fan of the month of February also the PGA Tour really begins to pick up then. And for those who watched it this past week, even though there were different tournaments at different sites, including the one that Rory and uh, Patty Reed were a part of, I think most were out at Torrey Pines uh, watching what did in fact take place in San Diego. So it's a great time of year. We have one football game remaining. And it's just amazing to me when you can look at what happened yesterday and actually feel better about a Philadelphia victory 31 to 7 over San Francisco because there's no there's no controversy there's no well this happened and that happened and this should have happened and that should have happened Kansas City you know Kansas City the winner 23 20 
and they do move on. For the record, it was the right call. It absolutely was. Patrick Mahomes shoved by both hands, clearly out of bounds, both his feet out of bounds. You go back to the game earlier between San Francisco and Philadelphia, it was nearly identical with Jalen Hurts. Matter of fact, I think you can make the case that Hurts was inbounds, uh, depending on how you look at that particular play. What wounds me is the holding on that play, the obvious block on the you know block to the back uh, right before that play, and we're just lost. We are, and it it drives me crazy. I hate wasting time comparing and criticizing referees and umpires and officials. I understand that the human element comes into play. It always will. We make mistakes each and every day. There's no doubt about it. There were coaching mistakes in this game. There were players who made mistakes in this game. Officiating is hard. It is brutally hard. But it's something that I think we need it to be completely catastrophic until actually something does happen. We saw Miles Jack wasn't down. I didn't see anyone respond that who wasn't a fan of Duval uh, this weekend. Where last night, the whole world complained. I mean, you looked at Twitter. It, it didn't matter who you were, what your stance was, what your level was, whether you're a member of the media, a player, a former player, you know, just a Joe six-pack type of fan. It was just one after another saying the exact same thing. Why are they so incompetent when it comes to making the correct call in a game of this magnitude? So, what has to take place? I'll tell you what has to happen. We need the Super Bowl to be decided by a bad call. I think that's the only way we are finally going to be able to get to the bottom of this. And the fact now that the NFL and Major League Baseball and the NBA and the National Hockey League and collegiate athletics, every single one of those entities is in bed with legal gambling. They're going to be able to force this. How? I don't know. I I don't know if political figures are going to get involved within a state. I don't know if casinos across the country are going to refuse to pay out for a win. There have been situations where casinos before have paid out for a loss. Not many, but they have. It's been so egregious that they have made that move. So what I would really like to see, even though it's 13 days away, I would like to see a Super Bowl affected by a bad call. And I imagine I'm really in the minority here. I, I imagine I was like, pipe down, Baloo. Everyone makes a mistake. You know, get over it. And, and you know what? I could care less. I could have cared less who won Kansas City and Cincinnati. You, you talk about completely no dog in the fight. I, it doesn't matter to me at all. Again, I, I love Mahomes. I, I'm a big fan of Andy Reid. Um... I don't want to hear about Travis Kelsey for two weeks. I, I, just, I just don't want to have to, uh, to, to deal with that. I know we're going to get into the Eric Bieniemy stories about once again, you know, we've now gone from five head coaching jobs to four. Is he going to get a job? Is he not going to get a job? Why isn't he going to get a job? It's going to be the same old, same old as, as far as the stories are concerned. I really could have cared less who won. 
But there were bad calls on both sides. Kansas City lost a touchdown and had to settle for a field goal on a very debatable call. So it's not just Kansas City got all the calls. And I put it on Twitter about an hour ago because I thought it was hilarious. I mean, it really was. And it's up there now if you want to take a look at it. Baloo 1010XL. Maybe it's been around all day and I just missed it. Uh, but it's a photo of, uh, of Pat Mahomes and the official, Ronald Torbert, with each other's jersey. And genius. You know, I'm, I'm laughing along with it. It doesn't matter to me who's going. It doesn't matter to me who will win in two weeks. I just want better officiating. And there are certain things that have to change. So let's take a look at that. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to voice your opinion, as always, 641-1010. And the best way to do that is on our text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. But the first thing that needs to happen is this. I, when I was a sideline reporter, you remember when Foles broke his shoulder? And I can't remember who fell on him, if it was Frank Clark or Chris Jones. It, it was one of the two. Foles threw a touchdown, and they, they put in the new rule that landing on a quarterback is one thing, but landing on a quarterback with all of your weight could draw a 15-yard personal foul and as a sideline reporter I thought that that was the case and at half I don't remember who the referee was the official was during that game as well but as he was walking up towards the tunnel I asked him I said excuse me sir why wasn't a 15 yard penalty called on that particular play where he landed on Nick Falls, and he just looked at me and he said, "I'm not going to comment on that." It, you know, a few days later, I was reprimanded for it. I was told that it is an NFL rule. Listen, it's always been a radio rule to go with it, and then to be told after the fact that you're not allowed to do that or you're not allowed to say that. It, that happened to me. I th- there was one time when Robert Griffith uh, the third. Blew out his blew out his knee. I ran to the other side of the field. I'm trying to remember if that was when he was with Philadelphia or if he was in Washington D.C. I do apologize, but when you're really not good, like Robert Griffith III, you sometimes forget um, players and scenarios. But I sprinted from the Jaguar sideline all the way over to the other sideline, and you know they threw it down to me, and I was ten feet away. Uh, from the injury, and again, I was reprimanded. I was told, you're not allowed to go to the other side. Just like I wasn't allowed to ask the official. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. How can I not ask a, a, an official something that is like that? Well, here's the answer. They're protected. They're protected more than anyone. They're protected more than the coaches. They're protected more than the players. You get one pool reporter at the end of the game. Out of all the members of the media that are there, what do you think were, how many members were in Kansas City for this game yesterday? 300, 400, perhaps, members of the media credentialed to watch this game, to cover this game between Kansas City and Cincinnati, and you get one pool reporter who was allowed to meet with Ronald Torbert, and it's up to that reporter to ask all of the right questions. Well, whether you know this or not, 
members of the media, their ego is as big in often cases as the players and coaches that they cover. And the media eye roll, to me, has always been one of the most fascinating things with the little clicks that come within the media. If you're not on the beat and you ask a question, you're going to get the four or five hacks who are writers. They're going to roll their eyes. Like, like, how dare he ask that question? Who is he? Where did he come from? He must be a radio guy or an internet guy. or a, He's got good hair. He must be a TV guy. So you send one pool reporter out to ask this guy. There's going to be other members in the media who say, why didn't you ask him this? Why didn't you ask him that? Okay. Step one. After a game, it's time for these officials to take questions from the media. If you want to have a bodyguard with them or a henchman with them or a PR protector with them to say, you know what, you can't ask that if you get rude or whatever it is. And for the most part, members of the media want to remain credentialed. So they're going to do their job the way that they have always done their job. But when you talk to officials, it's not all going to be sunshine and rainbows. The only time we ever hear about officials is when they get it wrong. And you, the consumer, deserves answers. So that's step one. Make the official. If you don't want to put them all out there, I got you. And that could be interesting as well because if a side judge or a back judge or an umpire or something like that makes a call and you set out the head official, he could always say, well, I don't know. I didn't make that call and I'll have to check back with him. So I'm sure there's a way to continuously avoid what is a problem. But still, it's growth. It's a step forward. Number two, it's time to finally take advantage of this technology. It is time for the Sky Judge to come into play. I understand it's going to drive a lot of people crazy. JJ, you among them. It's going to drive you nuts because it draws out the length of the game. And I feel for you in that scenario. Let's look at the three calls that I'm talking about here that affected the very end of the game. Even if they do have a sky judge and they have constant communication where folks are watching in New York before the referee actually puts on the headset to talk to them, he will be told that should be a 15-yard penalty, that should not be a 15-yard penalty. We're going to have to figure out What can you use it for? What can you not use it for? Does that block in the back get reviewed? Does that holding by the left guard, or excuse me, right guard, on that Patrick Mahomes run to the sideline, is that reviewable? So that's another whole situation. And, you know, how many opportunities do both head coaches have? In a case like that where all three of these calls – We're within the final two minutes of the game. You have to believe that comes from the officials and only the officials. So for me, that's part two of this. Part three, and this is truly what it's all about. It's time for us now to get away from being so rule-eccentric, if that makes any sense. Rule-eccentric. How about just using plain, simple, in-game common sense? As simple as that. 
I don't care how many challenges are allowed. I don't care what you can review and what you cannot review. If you can see it, if I can see it, if the 74,000 in attendance in Kansas City can see it, why doesn't the officiating see it? Apply normal, simple common sense. It's exactly that simple. Now, listen, mistakes have been made forever. Kids, look up Ed Armbruster. You probably have no idea who he is. Pinch hitter for the Cincinnati Reds. Affected the 1975 World Series in favor of Cincinnati over Boston. You know how many chowder heads died without seeing the Red Sox win a World Series? Go to the matchup between the Cardinals and the Royals. The Battle of Missouri. When Joaquin Andahar clearly had his right foot on the first base bag and the base runner was out. Don Denkinger, nothing. Called him safe. I mean, th- there's been uh, hockey. How about, the, you know, the situation with Dallas and Buffalo uh, a few years. Th- there's just situation after situation where guys get it wrong. It's time now, unlike those examples, it's time now for us to take advantage of the technology that you have and to be able to get these plays called the right way. I understand it's going to be aggravating for some. I understand it's going to be more time-consuming for some. But you have to start to get it right. And because of that, here's what we know. Roger Goodell will meet with the media next week. He will absolutely sidestep this question. Okay? You're going to get a whole bunch. You talk about a political answer. I'm sure he's going to tell you that they're going to work really hard uh, to try to... He's going to give you nothing, okay? And I got to believe that that's one of the top two or three questions that is going to be asked. You're not going to get anything for it. So what I really want, I want complete, absolute mutiny. I, I want a team who so clearly wins, takes advantage of a bad call, and the team who loses flat out gets royally screwed. Not just a little screwed, but royally screwed to the point where the Super Bowl becomes fraudulent, if you will. Yeah, this team won it, whether it's Kansas City or Philly, but they didn't deserve it. You're getting a little bit of that now with the game here between Cincinnati and Kansas City, but because it's a championship game, it's going to go away. It's going to go away just like the Miles Jack thing went away. Do, do you think there's a Patriot fan alive who remembers Miles Jack wasn't down? Do you think there's anyone in the league who remembers Miles Jack wasn't down outside of folks here in Jacksonville? A few people remember the deal, what, a year later out in New Orleans to get to the Super Bowl. But, you know, over time, that's kind of been passed off as well. Yeah, the call should have been made, but the call wasn't made. And, and then you're going to get others who are going to tell you, well, you know, one call shouldn't affect the game. If you played better in-game, it shouldn't have come down to that. My, my point is officials should be calling the game. Officials should not be deciding the game. Team A, Team B need to decide it. And we're seeing too much of it being called in mistakes that are actually taking place Week in, week out, in everything. I mean, I watched the end of that Lakers-Celtics game. Bad calls. It's all over the place. And and I just don't know what we're going to do to fix it. So that's what I'm hoping for. 
I'm not going to pick a winner of this year's Super Bowl. I'm going to side with the officials. I want them to royally screw up this game. And then I just wonder, because people have laughed at it, but the amount of money that's involved, Las Vegas through, now that state after state after state after state is legalizing gambling, uh, what's going to be said here? What type of pressure is going to come in? So we got a lot to do with that tonight. We're going to take your thoughts as we get things started. I said it to you on Friday, JJ. I was like, damn it. I hope I don't come in here and I have to start the show complaining about the officials I hate that role. I hate that show. Here we are. Well, you didn't have to. No, I didn't. I honestly didn't. I, there was some bad calls, but I, I don't think the wrong team won because of it on Sunday. You're one of those who does not care. You subscribe to uh, no. I to care human if there's bad calls, but you. But you write it off as human error. What I what pissed me off last night was when they just do a play, it happens, they bring the punt team on, and then they're like, oh, that play didn't happen. Uh, we obviously didn't get that right. Like, that stuff bothers me. A non-holding call, I don't care about that. Like, there's a, honestly, if we slow it down, like they always say, there's a holding call on every single play. So you want to have a sky judge determine if there's a holding call on every single play? Yes, that's going to take a drastically long time. That's going to make the game unwatchable. Like That can't happen. The third down redo is fascinating only because it happened to the home team. The example, or what we were told, is that it was so loud in there that no one heard That's the whistle. That's what Tony Romo said. Well, yes. yeah, and who knows what's going on with exactly. Tony Romo. But you're also talking about the fact that Kansas City's on offense. I mean, isn't that like rule? Isn't that like rule one for fandom? You only make noise when the opponent is on offense, not when your team is on well, offense. Was it, I thought it was a clock thing. It. Uh, well, I honestly don't even know. I don't know. Well, they and and I will say this. They did a horrible job explaining it because yes. they didn't know. Exactly. And then because, on, like, all the refs were in on the play except for the one. And then on top of that, Ronald Torbert's microphone <laughs> is not working. Now, now let me tell you, it, it, the eight years that I spent as a sideline reporter, there were maybe two or three times where my mic went out and there was a problem. Well, we had someone there who could fix it. Are you trying to tell me that in the, in, NFL? in the biggest stage of all, the referee's microphone <laughs> doesn't work? And it happened like two or three weeks ago in the Jags game, remember? Like for the whole game, the ref's mic didn't work. I'll never sign up for a conspiracy. <laughs> and that was, for those who didn't complain about the officiating last night, the other side of it was, this is rigged. They wanted Andy Reid against Philadelphia. They wanted the first two black quarterbacks ever in a Super Bowl and Hurts and Mahomes. They wanted Kelsey against Kelsey. Cincinnati doesn't have the the national clout. Uh, I mean, all the reasons were were flying in on my timeline. I imagine yeah, they were on yours saw, as well. I saw it, but it, it, to me, it was laughable. I, I to me, there's no difference between Cincinnati going. And Kansas City going. No one that was going to watch the Super Bowl is now not, and no one that wasn't is going to now. Like, I'm sorry. Kansas City and Cincinnati, there's no difference there. 
I, I these NFL refs are so terrible. There's no way that you're going to convince me they're genius enough to be able to pull off this heist in live time to get one team to win over the other. No. The conspiracy I do believe, and I've always believed this about NFL refs, they're not told, hey, we want this team to win, we want that team to win. I think they're told, keep games close. Extend a drive when you need to. Call defensive holding when you need to. Yeah. You know, Stop a drive when you need to, but keep these games from being blowouts. The call that everyone's talking about was the right call. It was the right call. You, you could not push Patrick Mahomes out of bounds. You, you, you Now, you may say if that happened to Burrow, he wouldn't have gotten the call. If that happened to Trevor Lawrence, he wouldn't have gotten the call. If it happened to Brock Purdy, he wouldn't have gotten the call. I, I don't know the answer to that. But I will tell you that Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Pat Mahomes, they're going to get that call. They absolutely are going to get Nowadays, that call. Nowadays, I think everybody gets it. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. All right, let's come back and get – Unfortunately, a little bit more into this. I am going to change things, uh, change things up in a little bit um, because my blood pressure uh, is rising. Um, you know, and I got a few more opinions on this, and I have a feeling they're not going to be overly popular, but I'm going to say them anyway. I will tell you that tonight's show, opening comments, brought to you by Schmunez Vision. Okay. Uh, Schmunez Vision, family organization. They focus on personal high-quality medical and surgical eye care. Dr. Catherine Schmunez, fellowship trained in cornea cataract surgery, and all refractive surgery combined, that's more than 30 years in laser eye surgery. They are your place, regardless of what it is when it involves your eyes, okay? Whether it's overall health, whether it's just an eye exam, or you want to go deeper, okay? It's time for laser eye surgery. You've had it with the glasses. You've had it with the readers. You've had it with the contacts. They are your stop. 299-2906, schmunezvision.com. At Schmunez Vision, visit them where they stamp out blindness and always tell the truth. That is Schmunez Vision. All right, we're busy tonight. We are going to rock until 8 o'clock. We have the latest on the salary cap. I got a couple of other nuggets on the Jaguars. We lost a hockey god, very controversial, but a hockey god passed today at the age of 84. And... Wasted out of your mind. If you don't know what I'm talking about, good. We'll get to that in a little bit. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, with you tonight till 8 o'clock. Hacker will join you at 8 tomorrow night after Howlinson Heels. Rest of the week, 6 to 8. So we got all that going for us. Uh, you see the latest installment of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The nominees will be announced on Wednesday. I don't think Robert Plant's in as a solo act. You know Ozzy Osbourne's not in? I, I thought I just assumed like if your band goes in that you also don't go in. Like I didn't think like Paul McCartney was in by himself or yep, he is. Okay. Went in two. Like Lou Reed is, um, Rod Stewart is, several are, but how do you not have Ozzy Osbourne in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? He's in with Black Sabbath. He's Ozzy Osbourne. By the way, the whole decade of the 80s, look what Phil Collins did. He's not in? They have Peter Gabriel in twice. <laughs> Peter Gabriel's in by himself and with Genesis, they only have Phil Collins in once. 
for ja- I, I don't care if you like Phil Collins or not. It's it's not even a conversation. The album Soul was good by by Peter Gabriel. And I like Peter Gabriel. You can't compare him to Phil Collins. Phil Collins was putting out hit after hit after hit after hit. And don't tell me they don't allow hits. For crying out loud, they have Janet Jackson in there. I'm gonna be. It's gonna ruin my Wednesday night. The good thing is, is it's after we get off air. So Maybe do I'll we know Hack- who might be nominated? Maybe we'll tell Hacker to stay home on Wednesday night so <laughs> we'll I can do, do like a flower hours. show so I can just complain about the Rock and Roll Hall fan. I'm hoping for a Warren Zevon nomination. Oh, absolutely. They don't even have bad company in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is a tragedy. I think Jethro Tull should go in. I'm a big fan of Foreigner and Sticks, both a little bubble gum to it. Yeah, I get it, but they still move the needle. They Both those bands had great music, and they're not in. I'd like to see Canada's Guess Who. I'd like to see Boston's Boston and Boston's Jake Isles. But instead, we're going to, you know, I'm telling you right now. Uh, I have good news for you. It's going to be like Dionne Warwick. <laughs> Dionne Warwick, excuse me. Yes. What do you got? So in the lead up to the announcing of the shortlist for this year's class, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has revised its mission statement to be more interpretive of the concept of rock music. The president and CEO of the Rock Hall revealed this change during a press conference uh, today, signaling that subsequent eligibility requirements for introduction, as well as general representation at the museum in Cleveland, will no longer be dictated by the golden age of classic rock. So uh, he's basically saying uh, no more rock in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, folks. Change the name. Let's change it. Got to be more inclusive. Call it the Music Hall of Fame, and guys like me won't complain. But you're keeping great rock and roll bands out, classic rock and roll bands out, and you know the folks you're putting in is um is 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 a massive disappointment. Wow, Eric Clapton's in three times. He's the only three timer. Triple Crown, right? Cream, Derek, and Derek and the Dominoes, and and solo act. Um. And again, I'm not a big Ozzy Osbourne fan, but how can you not have Ozzy Osbourne on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? The legions of fans that he had after Black Sabbath fired him? The the guy... Yeah, all right. Uh, We'll know about the NFL Hall of Fame, right? Coming up in 12 days. Uh, That is going to be announced. Of course, last year on Pins and Needles, Tony Baselli finally got in. It was a great moment. For Tony Baselli, you know, we just went through, unfortunately, a Major League Baseball Hall of Fame where they remain half pregnant, and that's amazing. Uh, I mean, did you see that one story? And I'm going to get back to football here in one moment, but did you see that one story that um, that came out that all of a sudden, you know, Jeff Kent lost like 50 to 60 votes and they were gained by Scott Rowland. They were gained by uh, Helton, who Todd Helton did not make the Hall of Fame. And again, it just, same voting individuals. How do you change your mind? Like, these guys haven't played. 
since you voted last time for Jeff Kent. Now, he didn't all of a sudden become less of a good player this year than you did last year when you voted for him. Mm-hmm. So we'll have a little bit of fun with that uh, coming up. But, uh, hey, this year's – the NFL can't get it wrong with the with the Hall of Famers this year. Um, it cannot. Absolutely uh, cannot as far as I'm concerned, because there are so many incredible candidates. Uh, right here, someone's telling me that Clapton was not in for himself, but with the Yardbirds. So we got in with three different bands. Cream, so Derek, and the Domino's and Yardbirds. Yeah, I thought he was solo. Okay. Um, I'll take it from the 1570, who says that is, in fact, not the case. All right. Uh, you know, I so many people here agreeing. Uh, <laughs> ninety five twenty one says Rick. Common sense isn't so common anymore. I uh, got you there, uh, Rick. What the heck, bro? The officials didn't determine the game stop. Since the time after time, stop it. You sound like a baby. Since he had chance after chance to win the game, bro. If I'm leading the baby movement, fine. But just check social media. It doesn't matter who you are or what the situation is. All they're doing is complaining. At least I'm trying to find ways to solve this. Okay? And here's another thing. In the great sports that we watch, what comes into play in every sport? Age. Right? And before we start going up and down about discriminating against others, hear me out. They're not fast enough they're not strong enough to keep up any longer why not make officiating attractive okay a second career everyone gets in the broadcasting everyone gets in the coaching why not make officiating something that former football players want to do and and the only excuse that i can hear is well they're going to be tarnished because they're going to have an agenda. They played for this team. They're going to root for that team. A lot of guys who play for teams end up getting cut or whatever. They end up having an agenda that goes against the teams. You can go both ways with that. And you're telling me refs don't have a team they like? Like they just all of a sudden when they put that uniform on, they're just like, nope, never was a fan of anyone. Like that, that's just... Uh, no, everyone has some type of bias, but we could make these guys full-time employees. Mm-hmm. You know, we could pay them enough money to where they don't have to have a gig at Burger King after the season. Like, and it would be if you if you pay the guys more, you're going to have more people that want to be an official. Also, make the uniforms cooler. Yeah, th- th- this guy here who said I was a baby. What he didn't say at the end of the sentence is that he had bet on and was a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs. But, but. People are going to run now and yell about discrimination. It's not discrimination. The games that we watch, when you get old and you can no longer keep up, you are replaced by younger people. Okay? Why not have some younger officials who can keep up with the pace of the game? It's the fastest game, whether it's hockey, basketball, Okay, football. you're talking about incredibly fast athletes. I'm assuming you don't – I'm assuming the union is so strong that it's really hard to fire these guys. That's why you see the same guys, even after years of mistakes, you know, in baseball, you still see, still see 
what's his name, Angel Hernandez or whatever out there. You like, can't call a strike. Yeah, like some of the worst guys ever will last in these sports for 30 years. It's just they're, they're union strong. It's like the teachers' union. You can't fire these people. Mm-hmm. That's why they won't be replaced by young guys. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, let's, you know what? Let's save this to the other side. As a matter of fact, I got to hit a break. I totally overshot the, uh, the runway because we were long, uh, to begin with. And, you know, what? I'll read a couple more of these and then I, I, I feel like I've, uh, I've said all I need to say. I'll probably bring it up again the Friday before the Super Bowl. Since I could, I could care less who wins this game. We'll have to talk about it the Monday after the Super Bowl, after there's an incredibly terrible play that ruins. I mean, this is going to be one of the worst Super Bowls and you'll be ever. Like cheering for it. When, when, I told you. So. Oh yeah. When it comes, I mean, who do you root for here? How could you root for Philadelphia with those fans? See what the fans did to Boza. By yeah, the way, he's I, another total clown. I actually think he should have just kept his mouth shut, smiled at him. You would have been fine, bro. When you have a ten cent head. You're, You're go going back. to respond. This is the same guy who got two 15-yard penalties right here in Duval, deeply affected the outcome of that game, allowed Trevor Lawrence to to pick up, you know, the touchdown when they went for two. You got to love Doug Peterson. They went for two. When, and there's not another coach in America uh, who would go for two. Although I will say this weekend we saw a lot of gambling. Yes. On on fourth down. I mean, I, I guess analytics are are doing their part, and we're seeing more and more aggressive coaching. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be hard. I don't want Philly to win because of those fans. Bosa dropped a I'm rich on the guy. Yeah. Which is never a good look. I mean, it's it's very true, and I laughed at it, but most people, when they see that, they're turned off by that. You're right. You should not respond to those people. Especially not a Philly fan. And he's got to know that. He's been around the block a few times. Exactly. And he wasn't too far away at Ohio State. He knows what those fans are all about. If they're going to find a way to get under your skin, they're the big winner here. And and what if it got worse? What if he because he started? You know, he walked towards him. He did, and someone was like, "Hey, this is stupid." He thought better of it and turned around. But like, what are you going to do? Just clock some Eagles fan? <laughs> All right, we got much more to do. We'll go till 8 o'clock tonight. Again, best way to get a hold of us is on the text line. That number is 641-1010. Brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. The Golden Jets is gone at the age of 84. Bobby Hull died today. One of the greats. Some say to this day, the greatest slap shot of all time. Many believe he actually invented the slap shot. If you look at when he left Canada at the age of 18 and went to Chicago in 1957, that was during an era where goaltenders, believe it or not, didn't even wear masks. Okay? That was basically a game where, you you know, the puck stayed on the ice or you took a wrist shot or a backhander, then... Um, you know, the snapshot came into play, then finally the slap shot. And what exactly are the differences? Slap shot is probably the closest thing I can explain to you as swinging a driver off the tee. Okay. Fully extended. This time, the you know, the stick goes straight up into the air. Mm-hmm. And that's where you generate all your power. And it was discouraged a lot because... You know, a wrist shot, 
in a snapshot are highly accurate. Or a slap shot, All over at times place. you don't know where it's. It's the same thing when you get guys who can't hit a driver. Why they hit a three wood or you know an iron? They and feel I'm they sure have a the equipment more back then, you know, the Quip- sticks today, I'm sure, mm-hmm. are amazing compared to back. Equipment was terrible. You know, the ice was 180 feet then. It's 200 now. You didn't have the uh, Olympic rules in play or the collegiate rules in play. There were two line passes today. They've lifted the red line so you can cherry pick a little bit more. And you're seeing guys walk in with, with better offensive uh, opportunities. Bobby Hall was absolutely phenomenal. Now, he was not a nice man. He very controversial. Uh, comments about Hitler. Um, he apparently assaulted a cop. He apparently assaulted two of his ex-wives, including allegedly one hanging her from a hotel railing by her ankles. Um, so he was crazy. And, you know, there were there were a lot of things written and said about Bobby Hull that um, are anything but kind. Now, I will say this. I spent an evening with him, and it was two evenings, as a matter of fact, uh, when he was here for the Jaspers, do you remember the Jaspers? They were an award show that were here in Jacksonville in the mid to late 90s. And you know, gave out a bunch of awards, statewide uh, awards. And Bobby Hall came in. And I sat with Bobby Hall one night, and there were a few others. Well, I know Warwick Dunn was there. and But I had just the blast. And I'm guessing this was probably in 1997 or something like that, and, uh, you know, all I knew about Bobby Hall was Bobby Hall and his brother Dennis Hall and his son Brett Hall. I, I didn't know anything uh, about his controversial past, but to be fair, that was like in the infancy of uh, of the computer, and I just wasn't all over the place looking up the, you know, the off-the-ice issues uh, for Bobby Hall. I certainly knew of him as a player, because Chicago was one of the original six, and they were a major player back then when they had, you know, Phil Esposito's brother and net, Tony Esposito, who passed about, I guess, about a year ago, and Stan Makita and Keith Magnuson and so many other great players. But Bobby Hall was one of the very best. And and he kept ordering wine. We had free, we had free drinks, but Bobby wanted special wine, so he was paying for his wine. We just had a blast with that, man. Yeah, that's one of those deals where – just sat around, asked a ton of questions, and just listened to him go on and on and on and on about everything in the National Hockey League. This guy scored 610 goals, won two Hart trophies with the Chicago Blackhawks, took the money like Gordy Howe and so many others and went to the WHL, the World Hockey League, uh, for a few years and came back to the Chicago Blackhawks. Was that live golf? Uh, or like the USFL? It was. Okay. WHL. Derek Sanderson went. Jerry Cheevers went. Some big-name guys went. And it was funny because, like, his contract was, like, going there was, like, 10 years, $2 million. <laughs> I mean, the amount of money they paid hockey players back then was um, was next to nothing. His slap shot was clocked at 118 miles per hour. 
What are, what are today's? Uh, some of them get some of them get up to it, but you know. T- oh, really? So this oh, yeah. is faster than even back then, or the, even today? Yeah, I don't know what it is today. I, I'm sure they'll they'll measure it again at the uh, at the skill competition coming up this weekend. But you know, you got aluminum sticks now and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going back to the day where you literally cut a branch off a tree and gave it to a guy and said, "Go out there and play." It's just it's like golf or it's like baseball, where the bats are so much better now. The golf equipment, the golf clubs are so much better now. Same thing applied to hockey. Yeah, he left. He left. Um, he left Chicago in '72 and went to the Winnipeg Jets of the World Hockey Association. I called the World Hockey League earlier as a player coach. Ten years, one point seven five million, and at that point. It was one of the biggest deals in the history on ice. Uh, before we head to the break, I'll tell you this, and you can respond on the text line at 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. You can bonds me all night, Griffey, Peyton Manning, Archie Manning. All right, you can tell me about the Earnhardts. The best father-son combination in the history of athletics is Bobby Hull and Brett Hull. Look it up. Is not even close. Okay? You want to challenge me on it? I'd love to hear from you. And I understand that hockey around here isn't, um, you know, incredibly popular. So it's going to be easy for you to say the Matthews family or the Manning family. But don't waste your time. You're wrong. There's nothing bigger and nothing better. If you look at father and son, Brett Hall and now the late... Bobby Hull. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Upon further review, we have overturned the claim on Eric Clapton. He is in as an individual. So maybe he's not in with Derek and the Dominoes. Maybe he's in with the Yardbirds. And I know he's in with, uh, obviously, Cream. Let me look it up for you. It's so important. We've got a lot of rock and roll fans out there. Eric Clapton. He said, Clapton has uh, put in for himself, not Derek and the Dominoes. He's okay. in for the Yardbirds and Cream. Mm-hmm. He said he had to pull over. And then the... Uh, you know, Blind Faith, the, the, like the original supergroup, right? With Stevie Winwood from the Spencer Davis band or the Spencer Davis group? Not familiar. With Stevie Winwood? Really? Man, he's been all over. Traffic, Spencer Davis group, Blind Faith. Uh, he did it all. Solo act. Another guy who made the case should be in alone uh, for his solo uh, catalog. All right. The salary cap was announced, and it, you know it was supposed to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 225 million. It's officially 224.8 million, and that is the case around the league. It goes up from 208.2 million dollars. So uh, Jacksonville, right now, if you look at exactly where they sit at this moment, they are 
$22,217,686 under, or excuse me, above the $224.8 million salary cap. Now, you've got about six weeks. This is what, the 30th of January. You got to have everything set by the start of the league year, which is coming up on, on March 15th. And, you know, they can basically get to where they need to be by making two moves. That's cutting Shaq Griffin. You'll recoup $13.1 million there. And cutting Roy Robertson Harris. That'll recoup $7.8 million. Uh, there's a lot of people out there, myself included, who now are like, well, wait a minute here. Can you redo a deal with Roy Robertson Harris? Can you extend him and, 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 and change the money? I'm not overly concerned about these figures. And, of course, Calvin Ridley's coming on board. That's over $9 million. you got to save plenty for this year's rookie draft class. Uh, but listening to what Trent Bulky said a week ago about how cash is more important than cap, these are smart people who are involved with, with doing this and, and knowing how to do this. I, I feel very comfortable that as an organization, they're going to be able to do everything that they possibly can to keep the people around who make this team better. I, I do think there's going to be one surprise. All right. I, and is that Juwan Taylor? Uh, my guess right now, if you drop 10 grand on the table and said, is Juwan Taylor staying or going, I think they're going to resign him. But he's also part of the Drew Rosenhaus clan. And Drew Rosenhaus could care less about anything outside of money, and that's why he is hired. He got Jack Conklin, that enormous deal, $30 million guaranteed, roughly $15 million a year. Now, Conklin's been a pro bowler at right tackle, but Juwan Taylor is five years younger. Juwan Taylor, and I understand angst here because Juwan Taylor had the best season of his career, okay? 622 dropbacks. He only allowed five sacks. He only allowed 21 pressures. And this is in 19 games. This includes both the, you know, divisional, a wild card round and, and divisional round. You look overall at the Jaguars' offensive line, despite the fact that their left side was ripped apart, Ben Barch went down early, Cam Robinson went down late, as a unit, they only allowed 28 sacks. That was fifth best in the NFL. Some of that deserves to go to Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, the ability of them to get rid of the ball sooner as opposed to later. Also, the escapability, which really came into play this year for Trevor Lawrence. But I do understand that about you know keeping this offensive line Solid. Will that come at the expense of Evan Ingram? Will that come at the expense of Arden Key? We're going to have to see. Is there going to be a surprise cut here? Could it be Jamal Agnew, who was announced today that he will be the only Jaguar to take part in the Pro Bowl festivities this weekend? Obviously, there's no game. Is that story right that Trevor was left off and they put Brett Huntley in? Is that a true story? I heard Brett Huntley is the fourth Whatever understudy, um, I because I don't Herbert's know where I having Herbert's having an injury. Obviously, Mahomes is in the game. 
I guess Burrow didn't want to be there or whatever. But but I saw that earlier today. And and for the record, I usually because to me, football is the ultimate team game. Whether it's coach of the year, player of the year, Pro Bowl, I, I usually doesn't really mean all that much to me because in the game of football, it's about winning and it's a team game. Now, outside of the Hall of Fame, which does mean a lot to me, I usually don't give a whole lot about individual type of uh, achievement. But how do you leave Trevor Lawrence off that Yeah, list? Tyler Huntley is the fourth alternate. Man, man, that, that that's insane. Anyway, seventy-five completions this year for uh, Tyler Huntley. Yeah, there, there is going to be <laughs> yeah, two I, I mean, touchdowns, I just, three picks. <laughs> I mean, that's egregious. Yeah, there's got to be something that happened there. They is that player voting? I mean, they called Trevor, and you found you know Trevor's going to be out of you know Trevor's going to be gone, or he's going to be out of the. Co- I, I just think it's player voting. You know, they're voting for their friend. Mm. Uh, there are 14 teams right now over the cap. Jacksonville is 28th in the NFL out of 32 teams, and you look at where they are as far as being over the cap. Again, more than $22 million. But I feel comfortable that they are going to be able to figure this thing out, and they got a real legitimate shot this year to certainly improve on what they did a season ago. What what scares me a little bit, and I don't want to get too far ahead of it, but this is understanding the cap. And you know, you go back to the Dave Caldwell regime. Dave always had a lot of money. He didn't spend it. It's like Dave was always waiting for the next year. And, you know, perhaps when panic took place, okay, he changed things up a little bit late, particularly when Coughlin uh, got here. But, you know, with Trent Bulky, he's known for trading. Trent Bulky's also, I, I again, I had some people last week and the week prior say, Baloo, Trent Bulky's not good at managing the salary cap. And I'm like, what are you talking about here? If you want to criticize the Jaguars general manager, and many have, myself included, that's not one of the, the areas where he should be criticized. The, the, the way that he and Walshy, Tim Walsh, the way that they have written these contracts, you can get out after two years. And, you know, this whole offseason, even into the season, we kept saying Shaq's gone, Roy Robertson-Harris is gone, Rayshon Jenkins is gone. They were three-year deals, but they're going to be cut after year two. Rayshon Jenkins had a career year. Roy Robertson-Harris was arguably the best defensive lineman on the Jaguars the last, the last half of the season. So they are pricey. Do you cut bait and watch them leave and try to address that in the NFL draft? Or do you restructure, pay a lot of top money, a lot of signing bonus money, and shorten this year, and then again, a situation where you can maybe get out as early as 2024 and 2025. I think they'll fix it this year, but the real problem for me is next year. And I don't want to look ahead too much, but you're going to see this summer. You're going to see it. Joe Burrow's going to get $50 million a year, $50 million plus, all right? Justin Harvard's going to get $50 million plus. What's Trevor gonna con- What's Trevor gonna get next year? Is Trevor gonna be up to 55, 50, 70? He's gonna get the going right. He's gonna become the highest paid quarterback 
in the National Football League. And, and if you look at that sensational draft class with ETN and with Campbell and with Cisco and with Walker Little, all of a sudden you look at, at five guys and you're like, they're all going to be coming up at the end of their rookie deal. All of the players have four-year contracts. Obviously, as a first-round pick, the team does have a fifth-year option. Now, to me, it makes complete sense. Redo Trevor in a year, a year from March. Pay him whatever he's worth because the sooner you pay him, it's actually going to be less money down the road. I understand the other way. The other way is this year he plays year three. In 2024, he plays year four. In 2025, you pick up that first, you know, you pick up that team only first round option. The Jaguars are doing that this year with Josh Allen. They're paying him $10.8 million. If they re up Josh Allen this offseason, which they could, we know he's going to make a a tremendous amount more than that, but it will free up money this year. If they redo Josh Allen this year, it's probably to go out and get or re-sign Jawan Taylor or re-sign Evan Ingram and Arden Key. There's got to be another side uh, to that. So there's two schools of thought, right? Pay Trevor in a year or, no, let him play it out and then pay him the mega. And, of course, you could franchise tag him as well. You could do that in year six. So you could pay Trevor Lawrence four years rookie salary, pick up his fifth-year team option, and then put a franchise on him. You can keep him here for six years. But is he going to be happy about that, number one? Number two, when you're adding up dollars, and I'm not going to say cents, it's clearly dollars, are you better off paying him in one year? Brutal decisions to make. You know, everyone, oh, if I was the... You know, if I was a GM, I'd draft this guy. and I, This is where it gets complicated. Recognizing talent is one thing. Saying you're going to bring in, you know, Darren Payne. Uh, saying you're going to bring in whoever, okay, is one thing. But knowing how to pay them and structure the pay is totally different. And that's what's on the table now. This is headed towards the greatest thing you can ask for any organization And that is, who on our current roster are we able to re-sign? And you're going to lose. Every player that they have not re-signed around here has left, and they were pissed. Outside of maybe A-Rob. DJ Chark was pissed a year ago. They didn't bring him back. We know about the trades with Jalen and Unique and all of that type of stuff. Great teams re-sign their own. Kansas City's going to be up against it. This may be it for Kansas City. This may be it for Cincinnati. I mean, how's Cincinnati going to afford Higgins? How's Cincinnati, after all the money they just spent last year on those injured offensive linemen, it, it becomes such a difficult decision for all of these organizations to make. So I just want that understanding to be there. I think there's some approach that sounds like this. Do what you have to do this year. We'll worry about next year. Next year. Uh Uh-uh. Not when you have Trevor Lawrence in that draft class next year. you got to make this year's moves with the understanding that you're going to have to make even more moves 
in one season. Here's the argument against paying Trevor earlier than you need to. This year with uh, Patrick Mahomes is 17% of the salary cap for the Chiefs. It's like the highest, yeah. second highest of all time behind like Peyton Manning oh, yeah. in 2009. Bef- besides that, it doesn't happen. You know, these really, really high-paid guys that take up a huge percentage of the cap, they don't go to the Super Bowl. You can't pay the people around you. I'm not saying Trevor won't, but I'm saying it takes freaks like Patrick Mahomes and, and Peyton Manning to do it. Outside of Tom Brady, I, I can't think of any quarterback who's ever taken less. No. Can either. you? No. And it's not like Brady wasn't paid. He was still amongst the top ten, maybe top five. But Tom Brady was never the highest paid quarterback. When, you know, Burrow and, and, and Herbert are going to set the market. And Lamar Jackson, who is a free agent, who obviously is older, they're going to set the market. And then in a year, it could be Trevor. I, I love the way of thinking of keep him on that rookie contract. He's a good guy. He's a married man, you know, but loves Eagle, Waffle House. Eagles are fragile. Yeah, get a deal he with Waffle House. doesn't spend a lot of money. He's get an endorsement frugal. with Waffle House, but you know, it, it's it's I don't think it's so much about the actual money. I think it's the ego of the money. I really do, and I don't know because I've never been in a situation like that. And, and everyone It's about is, your peers, you know, if you think you're better than this guy, why is he getting paid more than me? I mean, look at Watson. They're going to be like this guy's getting paid way more than us. He hasn't paid played in two years, and when he came back, he sucked. And that and that plays, and that's why you have agents. The agents do all that work for you, whether you want to call it dirty work or just normal work. <laughs> back to Juwan Taylor. If you think he's taking less here, you're crazy. Drew Rosenhaus is going to over ask, and will the Jaguars meet that demand? All right, we got much more to do with you tonight till eight. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, we have breaking news here at the desk of 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Florida State schedule for 2023 has been revealed. And let's bring in my good buddy, Danny Van Sickle, who's going to help us go through it. Of course, Danny comes in quite a bit. He is with the Electrical Training Alliance. Good to see you. You too, buddy. This is tasty. Uh, this is um, so. Let's let's tease the audience. Um, September third, down the road in Orlando, Florida State will open up the college football season against LSU. I I think Danny, there's two teams there, absolutely in the top ten, maybe even in the top six or seven when those two meet on September third. Yeah, uh, really looking forward to that one. I'll uh, I will be at that one. Uh, <laughs> I was at uh, I was in Orlando when they played Old Miss a couple of years ago. Okay, one uh, of Jimbo's next last season, and um, they were down that game by about 24, 27 points beginning of the second half. And man, they just they they just turned it on. That De- DeAndre Francois probably had the best game of his whole career that first game. Oh yeah, and uh, really turned it on. That and FSU ended up pulling out the victory. But it's cool for us people here uh, in Northeast Florida to be able to go two hours, go to Camping World. Uh, it's not in the greatest of neighborhoods if you've ever been there, but it's got plenty of hotels around it. You can make a weekend out of it, and uh, uh-huh. it's going to be hot, too. September 3rd in Orlando, it's going to be baking. I've been to a lot of games there. I think the first one I ever went to was 94, Florida State, Notre Dame. 
Uh, went to a Wake Forest game there where Dan Kendra got a start. Went to the win over Notre Dame in like 2007 or 8 or whatever it was over Wisconsin. I've been there five or six times. Week two, Southern Miss, first time I ever made my way to Jacksonville, was here in 1989 when Lord Favre uh, beat Florida State on opening day. It was arguably the hottest football game uh, that has ever been played right here in Jacksonville. So an on-conference matchup, number two, Florida State will get them at home on September 9th. Then, Danny, they go on the road, consecutive games, September 16th at BC. I like it because, yeah, it'll be chilly in Boston, but it gets a lot colder in the month of October and November. And then the week after that, to Death Valley, September 23rd, Florida State at Clemson. So the game on the 16th in Boston College will be a real good game. It's going to be great weather up there, really. It'll just get a little chilly that night. Um, their stadium is like a high school stadium. It is. Um, it's terrible. But uh, but you use that as a reason to get to Boston. That was the first time I ever went to Boston in 2016 when I went up there and went to Fanu Square and uh, went and saw Norm at Cheers and uh, had a great time, man. And uh, so you kind of use that. When I look at the games, I try to pick one away game and try to make it like a little destination. That was one that I did a couple years ago. Um, so that's going to be nice. Uh, Clemson, boy, at right out the gate at Clemson. That's – no, I would think that would be normally toward the end of the year because normally those two teams are, are competing. They keep said it's mind, the now, earliest they've played since 2014. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Keep in mind, wow. no, no divisions this year. So that's the thing. No. You, you, ha- you don't have to worry about losing that and already being on the outside looking in to win your division. There is no division now. So that game there, you know, and it's in Death Valley, and, and you can say what you want to about them. Um, they may have fallen off a little bit, but they still clearly look better than Florida State this past year. So even if you if you drop that game, if you win the the first three and you come out three and one before the bye, and your one loss is to Clemson, that's not the end of the world. Especially now, all you have to be is one of the top two teams in the conference record wise. I have Florida State at four and zero, LSU, Southern Miss at BC at Clemson. A, a buddy of mine sent me a text said the same weekend that Florida State's at BC, Red Sox are hosting. The Yankees. Now, I haven't been able to confirm that. I haven't looked ahead to the September scheduling in Major League Baseball. I feel but, a 10-10 road trip coming on oh, with the road trip band. Man, the, the Red Sox are so <laughs> bad. They'll, they'll be like 30 games out of first place by then. Open date comes on September 30th. October 7th in God's country is family weekend in Virginia Tech comes in. That'll be a fun game. I'd have to really look. I don't remember the last time that that. Virginia Tech has been to Doke. That's mm. that's gonna be a real good game. They listen. They travel really well, and they got a, a really enthusiastic fan base. Um, if they come to Tall or not, if whenever they come to Tallahassee, that's gonna be a fun game to go to just because of the atmosphere. Who was Vitek in in Willie's first game? What was that West Virginia? I'm trying to remember. Willie's very first game. Willie Taggart. I thought it was BYU. Was it not? No, that was the hydration problem. That was a a week. At, was that? Nah. I thought it was Vitek. I'll have to look back on that. When Noonie, when Noonie Murray scored and he didn't challenge it. Or maybe it was the uh, Syracuse game. I thought it was Vitek. We'll have to look at that. Okay. October 14th, Syracuse at home. October 21st, it is homecoming weekend. Three straight at home for Florida State. That'll be Duke. Here's a big game. October 28th, got to go to Wake Forest. I mean, I am so damn tired of Wake Forest. If there was ever a year just to go in there and, 
you know, stomp right on their face early. I'm hoping this is the season they finally get it done at Wake Forest. Yeah, by the way, you were right about the B-Tech because it just hit me that that was Fuentes' uh, big game. Um, you know what? They should go 3-0 and during that stretch. Listen, Wake Forest really benefited from the rule changes that were made during the COVID. A lot of six-year they, they had a lot of those what they called super seniors. Um, you know, people talk about Stetson being at Bennett being 25-26 still playing. Well, there's a reason why he was still playing at 25-26 because of the COVID year they wiped out. So if you could redshirt and then get a wiped out season, you could be 25-26. And that's exactly what they did up in Wake Forest. They've had a lot older people up there playing the last several years. But Hartman's gone. Listen, it's time for them to get back to earth. Everybody knows Wake is Wake. If you got a berm in your stadium, then uh-huh. you don't deserve to be playing with us. Uh, after that, tricky here at Pitt. A lot of people think the pit's going to be pretty formidable this year. Now, Slovis left. I'm trying to remember who transferred uh, to Pitt. It's a it's a big-name quarterback. Let me look this up real quick for us uh, because I had it and I forgot it. Let me see here. Pittsburgh, uh, as far as their quarterback, uh, dadgummit, I can't find it right now. That's uh, That's disappointing. Anyway, I know they brought over. So, all right, here it is. Um, Slovis went from Pitt to BYU. Uh, it's it's Yurkovic. It's, it's is it Yurkovic from yeah, Boston College? BC's. Um, yeah, yeah. Phil Yurkovic now on his way to Pittsburgh. Yeah, so. we may. He he's a gamer, but I tell you what, I liked about Pitt. Or they don't have a ton of talent, and then the talent that they did have, he went over to US, to USC because of that NIL money. But uh, their coach, that Narduzzi guy, he's a gamer, man. He he is a no nonsense yeah. kind of smart aleck, northeastern kind of guy. He he don't be wrong. It, 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 I hate losing to him, and we lost to him a couple years ago, pretty bad. They be is pretty bad on that night. But uh, I like their coach, man. He's a gamer, and of course, you know they 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 play in the Steeler Stadium. Actually, that's their home field, so they don't have their home field, and they. Believe it or not, they actually packed that thing out pretty decent for them being what they are. So, looking forward to that game. Pat Narduzzi, I like him. He's a he's a good coach, arguably the best coach right now in the Atlantic Coast Conference. I know some will say Dabo, uh, but here you go. Hey, for those wondering, by the way, Sam Hartman out of week to Notre Dame. Devin Larry left NC State. He's going to Kentucky. Uh, DJ Ua Angalele left Clemson. He's at Oregon State. Phil uh, Yerkovic left BC. He's at Pitt. Jeff Sims from right here in Jacksonville left Georgia Tech. He's at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Keaton Slovis left Pitt. He went to BYU. And Brendan Armstrong left Virginia. I don't know if he has signed. If so, uh, that one has snuck by me. All right. So after Pitt, then you host Miami on November 11th. They'll be, uh, they'll be better. That they really will. I, I I expect that to be a much closer game probably than what people are going to think. Um, I think that they went through a lot of growing pains last year, uh, and they've had some people leave. But if you look at the talent that that they brought in, listen, it takes. I, we've seen it with our own eyes. Whenever you bring a new coach in, there's an adjustment period there to get his people and his way of doing things. Um, I absolutely think Miami will be better next year. JJ, are they going to bring Josh Gaddis's playbook with him? I know he's no longer there, but is, is he going to be involved? I'll be missing in him, man. I was <laughs> I was drinking, uh, actually celebrating this weekend with the loss of Josh. <laughs> After Miami, it's North Alabama, and then it is Florida State at Florida on November twenty fifth. Let me 
Calling the calling the dub now, uh, Rick. You can uh, go ahead and put it on tape. You can put sure it it's on, on a Friday here. You can put it's, it on on ten ten on demand if you want to. I think it's uh, only on Friday, November twenty fifth. That is going to be a dub for FSU a, over Florida. I love it. I I see twelve and zero right there. That, I, and uh, and and by the way, the Florida State Florida game is on a Saturday. Is it on a Saturday? Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready to go twelve and zero. I am absolutely <laughs> ready to go. That is a dub over the University of Florida. On November the 25th. All right, so for those, again, Danny Van Sickle in joining Rick Ballou. The schedule is out for Florida State in 2023. They will open up with LSU in Orlando on September 3rd. September 9th at Southern Miss. Then on the 16th and 23rd, consecutive road games at BC and Clemson. Their bye is September 30th. October 7th, they'll host Vatek. It's one of three in a row. October 7th, Vatek. The 14th, Syracuse. Duke is homecoming on the 21st. Then they go on the road. Wake Forest on October 28th, November 4th at Pitt. They host Miami on the 11th in North Alabama will be the final game that Florida State will play this year in God's country. They wrap up the season by going to the University of Florida to play on a Saturday, November 25th. I hope I have a better experience. Last time I went there, um, I sat in the Bull Gator section. Um, I, got, I was able to score those tickets, which sounded cool on the surface, until you go to that game and you have to sit in their section on a loss. Like, anytime I've been to that game, it was always FSU tickets. So, even when we lost, I was surrounded by FSU fans. So it was it was bearable. Um, it was unbearable last year sitting in the Bull Gator section and us losing a game that clearly we should have won. Most people picked us to win. They had an intern coaching staff, and we found a way to lose that game. So, if I get the mm. chance to go again this year, it will be in the Florida State section or it will be from my living room. What did you make out of uh... – the game last night, Kansas City advancing to the Super Bowl. Great game. Great game. Uh, a couple of blown calls, obviously. Um, man, Joe Burrow, he just looks so good. He, he Listen, I and, th- and this isn't a taken away from a home scene because everybody's known how good he is. And Burrow's had a great season last year. But just watching him last night, he doesn't get phased. Like, he doesn't look like he's real rah-rah. He – but I think th- there was a stat where they had, I don't know, after the first quarter, they had, like, no yards after they took away their their sacks. And it showed him, like, sitting over there on the sidelines. He didn't look dejected. He wasn't pouting. He His mind was just kind of spinning, and he was thinking, all right, so I need to get out here and do this, this, and this. And, man, when they came out in that second half, they had their way. They were doing exactly what they wanted to do, how they wanted to do it. Um, he's real cool under pressure. Um, I don't think the better team won last night. Be honest with you, I think really? Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati is the better team, but uh, you you, you got to give it to Kansas City. Whenever they had to make a play, of all things, with Mahomes running, I mean, I'm sure nobody on that field thought he was going to run either, so they probably didn't have contain on him. Um, and then, of course, pushing him out of bounds. Well, listen, the entire defense was beginning held. They're they're going <laughs> to yeah, they're going to listen that push out of bounds. They're going to call that most of the time anyway. But man, when you push the quarterback yeah. as he's running out of bounds, you have absolutely no shot to get away with that call. They are going to call it fifteen yards. Then he kicks the field goal. Um, it was just unfortunate the way how it ended because it really was a great game. Yeah, and you know, I I didn't care. You know, I'm with I'm with my girlfriend who's. Spent her first couple of years. She's from Texas and went to Texas Tech before she graduated from Oklahoma. So she's a huge Mahomes fan. And I'm like, yeah, good for you. But I really didn't care. But there was a little, little, little part of me. I was going for Cincy only because they feel like such a heel 
program. They, they, they remind me of like the Raiders from the 70s or like the bad boy Detroit Pistons where if you're not totally in with them, whether it's Eli Apple or, you know, Joe Burrows, too cool, there's just there's something about them where I look at them differently from any other team in the league. Yeah, and uh, it was refreshing to hear them the week leading up to the game basically just shooting their shot and mm-hmm. calling how they saw it. And and listen, uh, you get used to hearing homogenized stuff like, well, we're just going to go out there and play the best game we can. And, you know, uh, all three phases can be do this, and, and we got to do this. And But if we do this, maybe we'll get lucky enough in the fourth. Man, they just come out and say, listen, we're winning this one. We're going to win the game. The mayor got on the TV, said, it's Joe Burrow Stadium. We're going to have a paternity test because he's your daddy. Uh, Listen, man, you got you to gotta, you gotta love it. But if you don't back it up now, if you don't win it, well, then you got to listen to it. And, and, and that's what's going to kind of, you know, bite for them a little bit. But it made the game more entertaining. And to watch them pull it off, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't see how Kansas City can beat um, Philadelphia. I, I just don't. But you know what? I didn't think Kansas City was going to beat us last week after he injured his leg. I didn't think Kansas City was going to win last night, and they proved me wrong both times. It'll be a lot of fun, no doubt about it. All right, Danny Van Sickle with the Electrical Training Alliance. We're a day away from February. Give us the very latest over there. What's going on? Yep, so uh, we're starting to uh, really look downhill as far as the rest of our school year. Uh, we, just, we just took a class this past January, so we have one brand-new class that we started. Um, but the rest of the school, you know, they're kind of looking forward to – uh, wrapping up their final exams, doing their hands-on certifications. Um, uh, construction normally slows down a little bit right around the winter months, and it normally picks up uh, right about now. So you can look at maybe in the next month or two the job starting to pick up and uh, the work really starting to break as far as this area. As far as our students, um, you know, they're just looking to get this year done, get all their certifications in. Uh, for those who are listening, if you become a student with us, you get your summers off. So our school year runs concurrent just like a, a, a high school or elementary year. You know, you start school around September. You end school right around May. You have your summers off to spend with your family. And uh, they're looking forward to that coming up. All right, tell us about school because the deadline is quickly approaching. Yeah, uh, so the deadline will be May 18th. Uh, we take applications all year. Uh, some apprenticeships have closed windows where you can only apply from, you know, maybe April 1st to May 1st. We're not like that. We take applications all year. And whenever we get enough applications, we schedule an aptitude test. And that is just a test of your reading and your math. There's nothing electrical to it. And if you get a qualifying score on that desk, you qualify for an interview. We'll be interviewing in the spring, probably around late April. Uh, We'll interview a little bit in April, a little bit in May. And then we'll wrap up with about two or three days of straight interviews in June. And then from that point on, they'll make their selection. Just for the listeners out there so they know, uh, you can be – getting ready to get out of high school. Maybe college isn't your deal. Maybe you're older than that and you're unhappy with your pleasant career. Heck, maybe you really don't have a career at all and you're looking for one. So with that said, tell them about that and also the easiest way to get a hold of you. Yeah, so if you're a high school senior right now and you, if you're not going to college by now, if you haven't picked your college by now, you're probably not going, right? So you're thinking about getting out into the workforce and starting to earn your money, not going into debt. Um, if you're a high school senior right now, when you apply with us, it's going to ask for you to mail us your high school transcripts. Well, if you're in high school, you can't mail us your high school transcripts. Uh, but it tells you on the application, send us a letter from your guidance counselor telling us that you're on track to graduate. That enables you to interview. And if you get accepted to the program, you have your whole summer to get your transcripts to us. If you're out there and you're working, like, say, in a warehouse or a manufacturing job, and you're making decent money, but you've kind of plateaued, 
Um, you know, our graduates make over $80,000 a year when you count all the benefits that go along with it. Over $60,000 just in cash in the pocket. So if you're not anywhere near those figures and you have an established job and you're willing to, you know, make that sacrifice and start in the apprenticeship, this could be for you. And you can learn all about it by going to our website, etajax.org. E-T-E-J-A-X.org. Uh, Always a lot of fun to talk with Danny Van Sickle with the Electrical Training Alliance. Thanks, man. You too, bud. All right, we'll see him again. That is uh, Danny Van Sickle. Let's put our final touches on this one on the other side, then get ready for Hacker Nation. He will join you at 8 o'clock. <laughs> Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Right, it has been announced that Brock Purdy tore his UCL yesterday. It's going to take him anywhere from six to eight months. I know a lot of keyboard warriors yesterday were like, get in there. He's not tough. Well, there you have it. Stetson Bennett wasted in the state of Texas. All sorts of rumors out. About him, Hey, Stetson, we don't care that you drink. We don't even care that if you're an alcoholic. We just care that you got caught, okay? There's a big difference. The 8212 says, Blue, I graduated from the Electrical Training Alliance program in Washington. Best decision I ever made. Do a great choice. Well, I wouldn't have Danny on with the Electrical Training Alliance if I didn't know that it was a great company here in town and that it was helping out a lot of people. Get yourself a career, okay? Uh, and 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 by the way, that's a career. <laughs> I know it during my route from home and my route. No, route is such a better word than route, right? I, I had a guy earlier, JJ, who ripped me um, for saying I could care less, where I guess I'm supposed to say I couldn't care less. Okay, whatever. But I'm telling you right now, it's not a route. It's a route. And, I, I don't think it matters. I could care less, couldn't care less. It means the exact same thing. Yeah, but you know what? The the people are always right, and, and, and I stand corrected. But I will not correct route. On my route from home to here and on my route home from work, uh, and I don't call this work, from, from the plush studios here on Hogan Road to my house, man, there is construction on Phillips. There is construction on Southside. There is construction on 210. The field of being a, 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 an electrician is is never going to go away. Newspapers have gone away. Video has gone away. CDs have gone away. All right? Electrical work is never going away. That is my, uh, that is my thought on it. Hey, tomorrow, want to talk about, let's get ahead of this a little bit before the NFL does. Let's dive into... Some positive rule changes, right? The third quarterback just talked about Brock Purdy. Why did they eliminate that? You know, why did they eliminate that to begin with? If you want to have rules such as if the third quarterback goes in, it's got to be because the first or second quarterback um, was injured and they're not allowed to go back in or whatever the case may be. Uh, that is all part of a discussion that we can have. but Or maybe like sacrifice a special teams player or something like that. Like someone can't come back in. Baseball has always done it mm-hmm. that way. If you're a pitcher, and Tony La Russa 
at times would stick a guy in right field and, and do some things like that where he could come back in and there there were managers who did things that way but and for what it's worth look at all the changes baseball made this year all the rule changes how about the NFL which gets it so right but it feels like criticism comes in obviously with officiating but also with a lot of rules in the game rules that always seem to be protecting the offensive players well, this is another one for the offense. I, I don't think anyone would have a problem, uh, would have, in fact, a problem with it, an emergency quarterback. So that's among some of the things we'll talk about coming up during tomorrow night's show. All right, if you just joined us, the Florida State schedule has been announced tonight. They open up with LSU on September 3rd. On the 9th, they will host Southern Miss. They go to BC on the 16th. On the 23rd of September, they go to Clemson. Their bye is on September 30th. October 7th, they will host Vatek. Then it's Syracuse on the 14th and Duke on the 21st. Those three games are at home. They will go to Wake on October 28th, November 4th at Pitt. Ooh, and then they host Miami. Two straight road games, and they host Miami on the 11th. On November 18th, they host North Alabama. And on November 25th, they go to Florida for Florida State in Florida. Appreciate all of you tonight getting in with your comments on the text line. And uh, that is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. As I typically do say, as the show comes to an end, I don't check the text line. If you want to get a hold of me, the best way to do so is on Twitter. And that is Baloo, B-A-L-L-O-U, 1010XL. That's going to do it. Thank you to Danny Van Sickle. Uh, Tomorrow night, After Helmets and Heels, rest of the week, we will be with you again from 6 until 8. Hacker is up. Coming up right now for JJ. My name is Rick Ballou. Have a great night. I'll talk with you tomorrow on a Tuesday.